I'm Brittany Ashley. And I'm Laura Zach. And this is Sicker Sadder World. The podcast where we rewatch Daria and relate it to our current world. Welcome back to, well, me. And also me. Welcome to us. Oh, you mean welcome back to you for being back from Vegas. Yeah, I went to Klexicon and uh, it was lovely. Everyone was so incredibly kind. I got to meet Jenna, who is one of our Patreon supporters and listeners. And I think someone else screamed Daria at me at one point. Hard to tell over all the uh, outpouring of, of love and praise, you know. Yeah, your excitement is infectious, actually. I, ca- <laughs> I, came, <laughs> I came into this night feeling a little tired, had a long couple days, but... Wait, really? Oh, you're being sincere. Yeah. Wow. You're, spru- you know? you're sprucing me right up. It was a lovely time, and on the plane ride home, I was watching Is It Fall Yet? And whew, what a film. Mm. What a piece of cinematic history that is in front of us that I truly cannot wait to talk about. Truly. I mean, what an opportunity to really take our time to really sit with what's going on in all of these moments. Yeah. If you don't know, we are breaking up this film into two episodes, um, the first half of which we will be, you know, our, our sober, which is basically a little bit tipsy. And then in the second half of the episode, we are going to get moderately stoned. Right. But just uh, keeping in mind that I live three houses down, everyone's safe. It's going to be responsible, yeah. Like the most responsible. I am in into my mid-30s now. <laughs> like, let's just be clear. I am doing this in the right way. I'm into my mid-29s, and I'm also responsible, and I live here, so it'll work out perfectly. Um, one, one aspect that I would love to talk about before we get into talking about this film is that not dissimilar to previous episodes of Daria, which... As you saw them on TV, they had the most incredible soundtracks, but unfortunately, in the in the DVD versions, you, you wouldn't get the songs because they couldn't it's get the rights, blah, blah, issue. blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, however, I tracked down the song list for this film, and it tells you what song was playing in which scene, so my very, my very hardworky brain decided that I'm going to intercut the songs that played during the original TV airing of Is It Fall Yet? I'm going to intersperse them into those scenes. Whoa, dude. Ambitious? When yes. I'm, sometimes I'm surprised you're not a Virgo. My ast- <laughs> you're going to say a virgin. My, my astro geeks up there will know what I mean. Just uh, you're a real hard worker and maybe a little Capricorn bit of a masochist. as well. Yeah, yeah. No, we both have that cap, that cap energy. Oh, you're going to Germany. I am going to Germany today. While you're listening to this episode, I will be somewhere between Los Angeles and heaven. <laughs> yeah, if if heaven, if your idea of heaven is a bunch of lesbians on the Baltic Sea, then yeah, that's where I'm going and going to be hanging out there. Not sure if any of our listeners happen to be residing there or even better will be at L Beach, but if so, let me know on Twitter or the like. Um, would love to meet you. Oh, and 
I'll be at Rhode Island College in Providence. I mean, you probably have to be a student to go there, but I mean, what's stopping you? I'll be there on Tuesday, April 17th. I'll be performing with Irene, too. You're going to be doing stand-up? Doing a little standing, doing a little sitting, um, doing a little kneeling. I'm going to be doing it all. The things they pay you for these days. Are you ready to get into my facts? Okay, I can't wait. Okay. Couple facts coming your way. The original airing, which was August 27th, 2000, was commercial free and had an intermission featuring a music video by Mystic Spiral. How fucking cool is that? It was like the Super Bowl of MTV productions. Where can we find that video? I'm going to try and... You want to try and find it? (laughs) Just kidding. I'll find it. I'll try and find it. (laughs) I love how you're... This is like a classic Britney move where she takes on like above and beyond work that is fully just invented by her own mind and then will be like resentful that I'm not doing the same. I literally was just like, do you know where the video is? And you're like, maybe you should do that part. Maybe you should start pulling your own weight. (laughs) Have I ever explicitly said that I do more? No, I think we're both aware that you do more. It's more of an action speak louder than words situation. I've seen your spreadsheets that are usually only slightly necessary. I saw the worksheet that you made for a casual dinner with with Kristen and Jenny. That worksheet. It had. Those wood things wouldn't have gotten talked about if I didn't have that worksheet. It's a beautiful quality that you have that you care so much and that you put in so much effort. But, uh. Maybe don't, like, assume that someone else not meeting that standard independently means that they care less. I'm really excited to revisit this conversation when we get high. Well, I can't wait for your second fact. Lay it on me. When the show was on Noggin, if you remember that cable channel, I believe it was supposed to be kind of like Nickelodeon After Dark. Uh, It was significantly re-edited to fit the demographic. So the swear words were taken out, any sexual dialogue or innuendos were taken out, and also Allison's bi storyline was removed. I was about to say, that's really the only sexual innuendo. I guess there's a Helen and Jake as well. That's terrible. Yeah. The soundtrack was absolutely insane. I mean, Weedus, Eve, Corn, Bismarcky. Wait, what's Bismarcky? It's like Biff Naked? Wait, I'm so happy you just brought up Biff Naked. (laughs) Anytime. I feel like Allison reminds me of Biff Naked. Okay, you're about to fucking lose your mind, which is is (laughs) that the character design of Allison is based on Biff Naked. Is not only based on Biff Naked, it's voiced by Biff Naked. Stop. (laughs) You see, we just talk about potentially getting high together later on tonight. And we become psychic. We it's like it's like our 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 auras are just clicking into that mode of like feeding off. I swear I did not know that. Follow up question: Is Biff naked? Bye. Bye naked. Biff naked. <laughs> I'm excited to. Maybe you should Google that, Laura. <laughs> I don't know. Haven't I looked up enough? You could figure out Biff naked sexuality, maybe. For once.
of us talking about the film, but also the first film of two that were created. The uh, the opening was so much fun. It instantly told us this is going to be unlike the episodes. It was like the opening to a classic beach movie. Also told us uh, locationally possibly where Lawndale might be. Perhaps near a beach. And the song that plays is Turn Down the Sun by Splendora. So was that the original song that played in the in the film as well? Yeah. Because um, it played in the DVD version as well. Yeah, but also Splendora um, is, is the band who created the theme song for Daria. So I don't think it was hard for them to hold on to this song. Yeah, so... We get this sort of like music video style beach scene. It's a real who's who of all the characters. The actual first scene in the story itself is in Mr. DiMartino's room with many of our favorites helping him pack up. Are you kidding me? And the scene establishes what many of these characters are planning to do for the summer. Um, Clearly, Mr. DiMartino is at peak disillusionment about his career as a teacher and sort of hints at wanting to quit altogether. And then um, Kevin and Brittany say that they are going to be lifeguards this summer. Which is terrifying. And Jane is still kind of like not talking to Daria. Daria makes a joke that Jody laughs at to show that Jane wasn't having it. Yeah, but I mean also... It becomes clear that between the final episode of the previous season and this film, which in terms of the story comes right after season. Yeah, so you had to have seen four. this film to understand like where their storyline. Well, yeah, but you also realize that you missed an important development, which is that Daria chose to start dating Tom. Yeah. So we saw that moment where it was like, are we going to be friends or are we not going to be friends? But it wasn't necessarily clear at the end of that episode that Daria was going to pursue a relationship oh, right. with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, therefore it's understandable that Jane would Completely. still be so salty. Absolutely. I mean, it would be understandable either way, even if, even if they weren't dating. Yeah. But. And then Mr. O'Neill is talking about a daycare that he's running this summer called It's Okay to Cry, Corral. And he is uh, handing back test scores for um, the PSAT, which is like the SAT scores, or like the ACTs, whatever you took. But they call it took. the PSTATs. Oh, yeah, the PSTATs. Yeah. The fashion club all gets their test scores back, and everyone's kind of in like the lower range. 
it inspires Quinn to go and talk to Mr. O'Neill about realistically if her test scores will allow her to get into Pepper Hill, which is this like socialite college. Based on the conversation, it seems like she doesn't have the test scores, so perhaps maybe this summer she should get a tutor because she's actually going to have to try. But also this moment with Quinn establishes that she thinks, she knows she's smarter than the other members Absolutely. of the fashion club. So the fact that she even got equivalent scores as them is a problem for her. And when uh, Jane and Daria are walking back from class, Jane, like she makes this comment about, you already have everything else of mine. Yeah, Daria's talking about how she has somehow evaded being forced into a summer activity, which makes her feel kind of like Jane. And Jane's like, well, you've got so much else of mine, you may as well take my identity. Yeah. Sick. Because Jane is going away. It's an artist colony. Again, we're starting to see Quinn's desire to want to do better. She knows she's smart, but she didn't realize that you had to put an additional effort, which I feel like is sort of true when you go to, I mean, again, it's been a really long time since I've brought up the public high school, private high school thing. But something that was certainly like my experience in public high school was that I did not study once I think maybe I studied a few times when it was like Spanish vocabulary but for the most part I kind of just like did the best I could while I was at school but as far as studying went I didn't really like put in that additional effort and somehow like got A's but then as soon as I got to college I was absolutely mortified realizing that you have to actually study like there are some things that you will not pick up instantly and I don't know it was it was just like an interesting moment where Quinn realizes that like you can't just get by doing the best you can in that moment that you actually have to put in so much outside work to match the intelligence of other people that you thought maybe just existed in you wow our high school experiences were very different really yeah but also I doubt my classes in high school were that challenging right and and also like I feel like the my peers the things that we were competitive over you know when you're when you're like in a petri dish surrounded by like other teens who are all extreme achiever archetypes like the things that you become competitive over kind of they're they're on the one hand still the same because you're still fucking like idiots about clothes and money and and like boys and popularity and stuff but then there was also, you know, the caliber of, like, you know, whereas in Lawndale, it's very much the brain is synonymous with being uncool. Like, I definitely was in a culture of the opposite. It was very, like, probably three to four hours a night of homework and studying. Wow. Yeah. It's a really harsh transition to realize that you actually really do have to try hard when for other people it comes so naturally. And I think that Quinn's intelligence level is such an interesting storyline throughout this whole thing which is that it does exist in her and when I mean I'm skipping a little bit but like it does exist inside of her and the fact that she just started to realize it made her think that she was compatible with this person who has spent his whole life being on this level right or the things that she values she feels like 
everyone else shares the same priorities. Mm -hmm. Like that her life view will be, I mean, but that's yet to come. That part of the Yet to come, yet to come. So let's not get there yet. Helen is giving Daria kind of a hard time about the fact that she has no summer plans. Daria's summer plans are basically just to relax. And this also kind of starts this whole uh, storyline for Jake's only storyline is that he can't tell He's the a difference. real Brittany. Is that he cannot tell the difference between sarcasm and truth. Sincerity. Also, I had another point about your high school experience. I'm excited to hear your thoughts you, on would my you high say, school experience. Would you say that... The um, homework that you give yourself now is like Penance. an overcompensation for what you missed out on before. Might be. I will say that I didn't try as hard as I could have in college. And so maybe and I still have like, you know how when you're a server, which I also was and you kind of ha- you wake up sometimes and you have server nightmares. Yeah. Um, I have that about class and in college when there's one or two classes I probably only went to when it was the f- midterm in the final exam. Like there are things that I look back on and I'm just Wait, like but mortified how, logistically, by. Logistically, how does that work? It didn't. <laughs> it did not work. Oh, so you didn't get good grades on uh, those tests. On the, when I was a business major for the first year and a half, I hated going to my classes. I also worked 50 hours a week, which also played a huge role in it. Yeah, like I still have a lot of nightmares from that time in my life. Do you want to know a crazy thing about my about being tardy at my high school? Yes. If you you were only allowed three unexcused absences per term, so um, you would receive like a slip that in your like student mailbox that notified you, you know, if you missed a class, you would receive the slip, and the slip would be called a dicky. And you could only get three dickies. But do you want to know what the verb of that is? You got dicked? Yeah. But but it would be like the teacher dicking you. Ew. So it would be like, oh, Mr. So-and-so dicked me because I missed that class. And it was just part of the vernacular. Like, I think, you know, when you're first learning the language of the school, is a little bit like, tee-hee-hee. But then, like, teachers would use that. It wasn't like a, a thing. Like, it would just be like, I'm going to dick you. I'm going to dick you young so girl. hard. Yeah. Yeah. A little side storyline uh, is between Jody and Mac, who both have busy summers. However, Jody has like two internships. She has a part time job. She's working on a campaign um, in the, her spare time. Her dad wants her to take golf lessons, whereas Mac, he is driving on an ice cream truck. And so they both are kind of lamenting about the fact that they may not have a ton of time for each other this summer. And the reason he's driving an ice cream truck is to pay back a debt that he owes his dad. So J- Jody is encouraging him and is sort of proud of him. Like, no, it's right that you're doing this. Yeah, doing the right thing. And another summer plan, which is to me the most exciting summer plan, is that Quinn secretly wants to get a tutor. Very clear that she does want to do better and she does want to get one, but she doesn't want to give off the vibe that she actually cares. Like her whole thing is like, no, I don't care about getting good grades I guess I just like have to do this thing right it's like when someone's like I don't know what do you want to do I don't know do you have a preference no but like if you had a preference to do this thing like it would be cool like when someone can't just state the desire Mm -hmm. but like wants but as soon as someone else states the desire that you have then you're like oh okay fine I guess we'll do that yeah yeah 
to add on to Jane and Daria's storyline, it, it's still very much unresolved. Jane doesn't want to talk about it before she goes away. She even tells Daria to just let it go. And Daria tries to like invite Jane to come get like a final pizza pie with her to send off Jane. I, I, I heard myself. I heard myself. She wants to go get pizza with her to send her off to the artist. She wants colony. to get a pizza pie. <laughs> and Jane declines. Like things are she not declines a pizza pie. <laughs> things are not okay in their world. And that's gonna be the last time they see each other before Jane leaves for two for two months. So what I talked about at the very beginning is that we kind of get confirmation via Helen that Dari and Tom are dating. And when Helen and Jake hear Tom's last name, which is Sloan, they instantly are both like Rick Sloan, Rick Sloan. Apparently, Tom's father is someone of importance to them, especially in the small community. Um, and Jake makes some like weird insider trading joke. It, it, it's basically that this this family of Tom's is clearly in like the upper class, the upper echelons of the Lawndale surrounding area. And Jake and Helen um, want to impress. Considering that this is Daria's first boyfriend, her parents kind of roll with it pretty easily. Like, they're obviously very excited to meet Tom. And when he first comes in, Helen doesn't let him get a word in Androids. But they're they're cool. They're, like, rolling with it. They're not, like, making a big thing or being too embarrassing. I guess the insider trading thing was pretty bad. Yeah, and then next comes... The first beat of a storyline that I find really interesting and also kind of relatable in the, especially in like queer Queer circles circles. where everyone knows each other and knows who's dated who and who's broken up. And it's all just very incestuous in a way. There's the the challenge that Daria and Tom now face of, you know, he obviously doesn't go to Lawndale, but um, the Lawndale students and people that know Jane recognize him as Jane's boyfriend and so Daria and Tom now are going out and about for the summer to social events and are bumping into Daria's peers who still think that he's Jane's boyfriend and also know that Daria is Jane's best friend and the awkwardness of of putting two and two together. So the first people that they have to deal with this with are Kevin and Brittany who um, they say like, hey, Daria, hey, Jane's boyfriend. Like, and then for some reason, just because he's an idiot, Kevin makes the leap to thinking that Tom is actually Daria's brother. I think because it doesn't register for Kevin at all that Daria could be a sexual being. Therefore, he's like, this person has to be related to you somehow. And then Daria is talking to Tom about what just happened and is like, people think of you as Jane's boyfriend and I don't know how to tell them that you're my guy I'm dating. So Daria goes with Tom to his family's country club type situation and she's immediately commenting on the old money. And accidentally I mean they aren't planning on making this intro but she meets Tom's family for the first time and it becomes clear that he hasn't told them about her it's not dramatic they're not like weird but you know it's implied that that they're like oh who's this type vibe Mm -hmm. also we meet his delightful sister Elsie hey dream girl (laughs) I mean not as dream girl as you know who's coming later. yeah yeah we can't even talk about her yet 
bife. <laughs> Whoa, chew. Chew on that sweatshirt strand. Um, wow, you had a strong reaction to Allison? Are you like Elsie? I have a strong reaction to Biff Naked. Yeah, who doesn't? Elsie gave me vibes of like, um, I feel like in a live action version of this, she'd be played by Aubrey Plaza. I was just about to say that. Stop. I swear to God. Or um, like I, I could also see her cast in Cruel Intentions. Mm. Like she'd be a person in I could that. see them casting Julian Jacobs as her, but I would have been like, this would have been so much better if this person played the role. <laughs> I love how there's this like vague they who's who's like like a Kristen Ritter, like a young Kristen Ritter. Mm-hmm. But she's, you know, she has that kind of like really dry, intelligent, snarky, like in her own world. I also could picture her as a character in a Wes Anderson film. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're so very nice. They're, they're very perfectly polite, nice. But yeah, it's just like different. It's super waspy. It's a different world. Okay, but here's the thing, and and this theme throughout the episode of Daria being like, we're from different worlds. They live up. in a fucking, like, mansion. Yeah, and like, really, girl? Like, what are you talking about? Like, like also the fact that your parents are in a similar enough realm of work and social circles to know of the Sloans and be their peers. Like I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Helen and Jake don't have like the social pull as much. And I also believe that perhaps they don't have as much like disposable income, especially because well well I I, I teeter back and forth between whether Helen is a workaholic because the family really needs the money and because Jake is kind of like not that dependable or if it's because Helen is a workaholic. Or is Helen a workaholic because she has to work so much to support her whole family? I don't get the impression that they're strapped for money. I don't get the impression that they're like hand to mouth. I think they... Especially the amount of bribes that they do in that family. Yeah, exactly. And Jake does is employed and he has like a fairly well-paying job. So I think they're fine. I think Helen is feeling you know a different a different need yeah if i mean i feel like sometimes if anything if it's like a or i feel like in this situation it's like a upper middle class versus an upper class thing like it's not that harsh of a distinction but there is something but i think the social element and the country club element is the major uh difference between the two families right and she makes it out to be daria makes it out to be that the thing that she's upset about is that he didn't tell his family about her but it, it as we'll see as we get deeper into the movie it's a little bit more complicated than that and also you know we have to remember as well that she's left out things with Jane on an on a really awkward note so it's really I, I imagine it would be really hard to feel present and good about a burgeoning courtship when you know that the person that maybe is the most important to you of anyone is really upset with you in part because of this courtship. God, how does she just let someone be mad at her like that? I'd be brewing inside. That's so true. Daria is pretty intensely like good at the are you mad at me game or at not playing it rather. So then we get to my favorite storyline of the film, which is David Sorensen. You know who voiced David Sorensen? Who? Carson Daly. Oh, hell yeah. Classic MTV soft boy. Wow. 
Wow, look at him playing an intellectual. <laughs> yeah. He's he's softer of body than Carson Daly, but sharper of mind. I was recently rewatching Josie and the Pussycats. Great film. And Carson Daly was in that. I don't know if it was because he and Tara Reid were dating at the time that he joined in on it. Or if they met on that film. Either way, there was like a huge tie-in to TRL. But yeah, I just, I still don't get what was that, like what made people think that he was this really charismatic DJ. I always loved Dave Holmes so much more. And Dave Holmes turned out to be gay, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's the same with Ryan Seacrest. Like sometimes you need your host to be aggressively unremarkable so that they don't (laughs) take away from the shine of the actual talent. Like palatable, mediocre soft boy. Which is a type of talent in and of itself to be like charismatic in a mediocre way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like super non-offensive, like you're, you know, it's just sort of like the wallpaper, but a pretty wallpaper. Yeah. David and Quinn's first meeting doesn't go that great. David kind of assumes that because Quinn took a class, it's not a subject that they have to revisit. But he quickly learns that even though she attended these classes, uh, she still needs to probably relearn everything from it. And then we get to the Ashfield Community for the Arts in the scene Water Babies by William Orbit plays as we see what Jane's summer looks like. She gets bunked in with a bunch of really radically alt-art chicks. A bunch of chicks that look super unique in the same way. (laughs) (laughs) So you liked that one? I love that. Similar haircuts, just maybe a different, a slightly different shade of uh what what's the name of that brand of like hair color of hair dye manic panic yeah everyone has just like a slightly different manic panic a slightly different like angle or location of their of their like undercut haircut um and that's the first thing that one of cartilage the piercing septum piercing nose piercing they got all the piercings you also check in with Kevin and Brittany at the pool, and they're already getting in trouble with strike the one. lifeguard boss. This should have been strike three. Hitting on each other. Yeah, they basically almost let a kid die because they're too engrossed in how hot one another look in their lifeguard uniforms. So Daria is sleeping until 1 p.m., and it's clear that she doesn't really have any ambition for the summer. And Helen takes upon herself to sign Daria up to be a daycare volunteer for uh, Mr. O'Neill's corral. We start to unveil kind of like Daria's internal conflict throughout, I mean, the entire series, but, but especially in this film, which is that Helen doesn't want Daria to hide behind her antisocial mask because she... She believes it is just that. She believes it's a mask and that Daria actually wants to be outgoing and wants to connect with other people, but she puts this on to protect herself, which is, you know, obviously exactly true. For how, you know, consumed Helen is by her work, she is still way more perceptive of her children than the more available time-wise Jake. So... David. It, yeah, now it's like the one of the first like actual tutoring sessions and 
Quinn is on the phone with Sandy the whole time during the session and David wants to quit until Quinn convinces him that it is important to her and that she's not boring like he had said that she is. And she admits to David, the only person that she's admitted it to, she admits that she actually cares about if she gets good grades or not or if she's perceived as intelligent or not or if she has this knowledge or not. She cares. I mean, it was pretty intense that he straight up just called her boring, though. He was like, I can't listen to this vacuous prattle with your brain dead friends. He really went for the guttural there. He's not mincing words. He's just going for it. Yeah. And, and obviously, like the, the obvious stark difference between David and every other guy that we've been introduced to who's been in Quinn's orbit is that he's not going to tell Quinn exactly what she wants to hear. He's actually going to hold her accountable because... He doesn't see her as a romantic option. He sees her as a human being, and he wants to actually help her. Mm-hmm. He's not sucking up to her, and not try- he doesn't want anything from her, other than for her to like show up and and do the work with him. Yeah, and to watch TRL. So we're at the "It's Okay to Cry" corral. I mean, those fucking shirts. It's Mr. O'Neill, it's Mr. DiMartino, who has donned the name, against his own will, Uncle Anthony and Daria. So Daria gets four kids in her first group activity, and three kids are like, you know, pretty eccentric kids. And then the fourth kid says the whole namesake of the film and looks miserable and says, is it fall yet? And I think we're pretty quickly meant to kind of associate that little kid with Daria, like he's Absolutely. sort of the, the Daria-esque one of and the And those camp. glasses, because mm. he's wearing glasses. And then we get back to... <laughs> then we get to Jane's art community, and... There's like a super pretentious instructor. Another fun fact. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so the instructor is this guy, Daniel Dotson, and he's just like clearly a hack he like has paper plates like going through sticks and is like this is art and giving this like lecture on art uh who do you think he was voiced by was it another mtv fave in a way uh more a musician i mean a musician but like more in that realm from the foo fighters yeah dave Grohl. yeah did you see this no what the hell is my brain right now yeah, it's Dave Grohl. How did I do that? I don't know. Okay. Okay. Anyone else really proud of me? <laughs> yeah. Mom, are you listening? Actually, Dad. It turns out Dad's the one that I needed that from. Oh, right. From your therapy the other day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a new therapist, you guys. I, Huge news. I heard it while you were talking on the phone with Kirsten. Oh, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Is that Okay. No, totally. It's totally okay, but it's just so funny that it didn't even give me pause that you knew what I had talked about in therapy. And I like it, it didn't it didn't occur to me like I didn't tell Brittany that. <laughs> I knew there would be some sort of like uh some sort of catch to going to the same therapist as your girlfriend. <laughs> But Daria, or sorry, Jane is seated next to a an art tent, and she 
isn't really trying to impress this woman. She's no. just kind of being herself. Yeah, She's just she making little side comments, that much you... in the way that Daria and Jane yes. first bonded. That's exactly what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. And she kind of like, I mean, I feel like she may have been sort of feeling out this person because she clearly hasn't connected with anyone yet at this colony. And she's sort of like making sly, like quippy little smart remarks under her breath in response to what the instructor is saying. And then this woman whose name turns out to be Allison sort of meets Jane halfway by like making her own little remarks. So they're in, in this the, dance. At Daniel Dotson's expense. expense. Yeah. yeah. And as we've said before, it's Biff Naked. If you're a fan of Buffy, you've certainly seen Biff Naked. She's performed at the bronze. I put wow underline chemistry underline. It, yeah. it doesn't feel like a friendship meet cute no i was gonna ask you when was the first moment that you sensed something deeper absolutely immediately me too yeah and i and i didn't remember me neither that this was a thing so it was genuine it was genuine like do i dare but hope because there also there was something about the acting of the eyes there was something about the like darting like the cat eyes right yeah there. like where the body is very still and the eyes are just kind of like looking over yeah i mean there's a there's a part in one of the later scenes which you'll hear next week but there's a couple eye movements i only saw upon the second rewatch that i was like oh boy so it's really interesting that also that, you know, this scene is dripping with chemistry, but also we're meant to create that natural parallel but of, of you know, Jane and Allison to Jane, Jane and Daria, Daria, because this is the similar dynamic that she found with Daria. It's the similar way that they first struck up a friendship, but it's that, but like big kid style. Yeah, I think that like, Witty banter is a very sexual thing. It absolutely is. I I can't I I have never been able to mess with people who don't give good text, for example. Mm-mm. Like people who can't yes and over text a little bit. Like like that's that's part of the reason that Jen and I like first like because when we first became, were becoming friends, I had already moved here and she was still living in Chicago. And so a lot of our initial communication was over text. And we ended up in one of our first like lunches together. Spe- she specifically brought up how like she knew that we were going to get along because like when she would throw out this little bit of like clever snark over text, like instead of just ha ha haing, I would like escalate it mm-hmm. and then she would escalate that. Down to clown. You gotta be down yeah, to clown. Always down to clown. And but also like down to clown in like a commensurate way. And I feel like that's what Allison was doing. Like Allison was showing Jane I can I can match you here. She was down to clown, but she was also down to drown in Jane. <laughs> that was very intense. It didn't help that I held eye contact with you the whole time, as I said. So Mac and Jody, again, are both just so incredibly exhausted. It's 
like you become the other person's support system, but it's also like, fuck, like I love how motivated you are, but also I want to like see you and be able to hang out with you. And it's clear that Mac and Jody just like don't have as much time for each other as they want. Um, but Jody lays a little egg of, well, at least I'll be able to see you at my parents' 4th of July party. So we know that one of the big events that is going to be happening this summer is Jody's 4th of July party. It's been a minute since I've talked about Esther Perel, but I was listening. It's been a week. <laughs> I was listening to one of uh, the I season two. I listened to the new season. I, I'm, I'm into it a few episodes now, and I was listening to one of the more recent episodes, and it's this couple where the man is very much a workaholic but in this very specific way where he gives to everyone and fills his time and feels really guilty about like relaxing and enjoying things for himself i should listen to this one yeah and but i mean he goes to an extreme where like he doesn't let him he doesn't enjoy eating at a nice restaurant because there are people starving oh we're different yeah so oh no no no. i did listen to this one and then his girlfriend is like i just want to have fun like she wants to like embrace life and appreciate i I guess i did listen to this one so the the line that reminded me of what you're talking about is when esther says um uh there's a reason someone invented the sabbath the seventh day you know and and you shall rest and that's how it feels a little bit with, like, Jody and Mac right now. Like, they need to, to connect. They need to, like, exhale together and come back together on that seventh day that they haven't carved out for themselves. Tomorrow's Sunday and I'm filming for 14 hours. I have so much to do tomorrow. It's insane. <laughs> I'm about to leave the country on a jet plane. And that takes a lot of work. Don't know when you'll be back again. Again. The 15th. Yeah. But yeah. So Tom and Daria are watching Six Sad World in his mansion of a home, which I believe like was meant to be somewhat of like a match to all the places that Daria's watched Six Sad World. And this is certainly the most prestigious of places. He lives in a goddamn mansion. And Mrs. Sloan and Elsie walk in and Mrs. Sloan is talking about the Starry Night Ball and it, it's this benefit for a gallery and she wants to invite Daria and her parents. But it's clear that Tom hadn't mentioned this gala beforehand. And so Tom like quickly, well, it's, it's hard to tell like what his actual motives are, but he quickly pivots and is like, actually, um, Daria and I are going to go to her friend's 4th of July party, Jody's. Right, just like it's hard to tell what exactly is is upsetting Daria most, but she's definitely becoming more and more remote from him, and and he senses it. He's, I mean, or there was a moment earlier that I don't think we talked about where he straight up asks her, like, "Do you feel the same?" And she's very like, "Do you feel the same about me as I do about you?" And she's very closed off. Yeah, and it, that felt uncomfortable, uncomfortably realistic. I think my biggest concern is. Um for the starry night ball is it only gonna be starry night paintings all over the place like is that the theme okay now i feel like jake because i can't tell if you're joking (laughs) (laughs) Uh so now we're back at camp and uncle anthony's meltdown while making friendship bracelets 
is quite fun. And Just a Friend by Biz Marquis is playing, which is obviously supposed to be symbolic of friendship bracelets. And Daria has Link, Link, uh, who is the young boy who is supposed to kind of be the the symbol of, of of a young Daria. He doesn't make a friendship bracelet, but he makes a, a DNA strand. And that, I felt like, was also supposed to be like, I don't need friends, I don't need a fucking friendship bracelet. It's just me and my knowledge of how to make a double helix. The kids really want to go outside, which, fair enough. Right. Yeah. You're a child. Uh, you You're get, a child. <laughs> you get one summer a year. You want to fucking go outside. You want to go play Ghosts in the Graveyard. You want to play fucking Freeze Tag. You want to run to that tree. You want to jump in that tree. You want to be out the fuck side. You want to play Show Me Yours. Laura? <laughs> Elaborate. Laura. So Sandy's at the 4th of July party. No, Laura. What? Laura, I am... I'm I'm interested in what you just said about that. Oh, don't... You know I can't... You know I can't resist. Laura, no, please, please. Uh, You talk about... uh, Show me yours. I'm... I was really struck by that. And and more so what you're saying, but also that you wanted to, to quickly... Ignore your feelings. You you have no idea how much I want Esther to actually talk to me. So this really like it's really doing something for me. So in this moment, even though you're not, that I would great like at the <laughs> in this moment, I would like to ask you to show me your feelings. Your feelings, <laughs> Laura. Okay. Um. Esther Perel, everyone, in studio. Special, very special guest we brought in just for the film. Turns out she's a huge Daria fan. Didn't expect it. But. So does this mean you're <laughs> not going to talk about it? Uh, she likes to do this thing called doubling, which she does in that episode that we both listened to, where she like becomes, she embodied the in, embodies the inner thoughts of the person. And then the person can either repeat what she said if they agree, or they can change it if they disagree. So why don't we so try please that? Please allow me to double. I would love to. I'm not supposed to look at you, though. I'm supposed to think it's in my brain, so I'm not going to look at you. You feel... You're supposed to speak in the eye when you're double. I feel uh, embarrassment for fun exploration... That now makes me feel shame. Why that? I feel embarrassment for fun exploration that I also uh, feel okay about. So should we get back to the episode? (laughs) (laughs) Esther Perel, everyone. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. You're nothing what I expect. Like, you're not at all what I expected. So last minute. I, I gave her a call, and she was weirdly available. So we're at the 4th of July party. You should, you should honestly, I don't know if you're plugging, if you're wanting to plug this yet, but I should honestly see, you should honestly try to get Esther for your Dead Moms Club. Yeah. 
for her to like diagnose me. Podcast. Yeah. Because I got that in. That would be incredible. Like if she, if I could talk to her about it, it like one of the final episodes. I mean, her specialty is obviously more couples therapy and like sex therapy and um, things of that nature. But I'm sure it would be interesting if you could get her to talk about like, like ramifications, like common ramifications in relationship. Yeah. Like in interpersonal relationships when there's been a major loss of a parent. Yeah. Well, I think like I. And just to give people context, maybe you should say what we're talking about yeah well i haven't announced it yet but i'm doing this is like inner circle yeah yeah yeah. this is inner circle stuff which is that i'm going to be putting out a podcast where i interview other people who have lost their moms and um incorporating it with also like pop culture references and representation of characters and fictional universes who have also lost their mom and all that um but yeah, I'd I'd be really interested to hear what the ramifications could be. I'm sure it has something to do with anxious attachment. So you had already lost your mom well before Buffy lost her mom, right? Uh, age-wise or like... Uh, well, both. Yeah, both. Like age-wise and the time of it coming out on television, yes. So did you just feel like a whole new level of connection with her after that? Um, it was such a different experience. No, I like. I don't mean to laugh, but like obviously, right? No, no, from but, the show, yeah. No, 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 yeah. But no, no. I understand, but like, it is like I definitely connect to people who've lost their moms, um, when they're in their twenties, like Buffy did. Um, however, I'm I'm really interested in finding people who've also lost their moms when they were really young because that's mm-hmm. like it's an entirely different experience of like going from like when you're in your 20s like having this person in your life for so long especially through the formative years and then the the taking away of that person whereas my experience was this person definitely existed in my life and was a huge fucking part of my life and and all that but like my experience is this person was taken away but I wasn't super cognizant of it and so a lot of my life has just been piecing together memories and like basically like filling a mystery of of who this person was and just hearing bits and pieces forgetting pieces feeling really ashamed that I have to like look up her tombstone to remember the the date of her birthday if it was November 23rd or November 24th you know what I mean it's like Mm -hmm. it's that type of experience that I'm uh, that's the you know like when someone loses their mom when they had more of a full relationship yeah it's like something I'm super interested in obviously but entirely different experiences fourth of July partay Quinn is trying to keep the fact that she has a tutor secret but Sandy takes that as a sign that she needs to try and embarrass Quinn as much as she possibly can and she directly tries to get the three J's to hear about the fact that Quinn has a tutor but the three J's are like into it. Joke's on you Sandy when will she learn that there's nothing she could say about Quinn to the the three J's who are the most impressionable and who are Quinn's biggest fans that they aren't going to be like yeah Quinn that's cool that's amazing it's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. I just want maybe like I don't know. I feel like we should make a shirt or something that's like 
find somebody who looks at you the way Joey, Jimmy, and Johnny. I still don't know their names. <laughs> Joey, Jeffy, and Jimmy. Joey, Jeffy, and Jimmy look at Quinn and just No, have Joey, them. Jeffy, and Jamie. Whatever it is. But I wouldn't want people to look at, at no, me that's like true. that. They're, they're pedestaling. They don't actually see her. Like, I would actually rather have someone look at me the, the way David looks at Quinn. With a judgmental eye. With just a real, like, just someone who's going to hold you accountable, who knows that you could do better and expects you to do better. And so... He calls you on your shit. And so then, just like fucking everything else that Quinn kind of, like, starts this movement of, like, it's cool to do this or it's cool to do that, Sandy decides, gee, Quinn, maybe we should get tutors then. Oh, tutors sounded weird. Gee, Quinn, maybe we oh. should get tutors. It's just tutors that sound weird. So, in the next scene, Tom and Daria show up to the party, and Kevin still thinks that Tom is her brother. And we get more of this deliciously awkward dynamic of people realizing that the boyfriend of Jane's is now the boyfriend of Daria's. And it really helps open people's eyes really to like who Daria is. Like it's surprising to them. Oh yeah. When Brittany says, Ooh, Daria. Like I it's like, like, Oh, you're kind of fucked up too. Yeah. Like it felt like Daria stepped into Brittany's world more, which is like that episode. Was it in season one where, and there was the one about um, Darius was it the contacts. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, through a lens clearly or through darkly. a lens darkly. Yeah, yeah. But wasn't that the one where the climax was like Brittany You're taking kind of superficial solace, too? Yeah. yeah, like in the ways that they were similar. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like there was another moment like that where Brittany was sort of like, "You scamp." Like, oh, like I, you know, I don't know much, but I know the language of dating your best friend's boyfriend, which is the biggest no-no. Yeah. And here is this like unassuming seeming person doing that. So I feel like it kind of elevated Daria and Brittany's mind. And But and then one of the harder parts to swallow was when Jody, the most perceptive bae, didn't comprehend that Daria and Tom could possibly be there together Mm -hmm. which also I feel like felt resonant to the queer experience of someone like not even registering your love as possible until you force it into their awareness they're like oh 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 and she she kind of like handled that what's what's hilarious is that I I get what you're saying when you really earlier had stated like yeah it's so typical the queer experience was like oh yeah, yeah yeah Because a lot of people have dated each other's exes. Yeah, I'm saying this is another Oh, I thought, I, thought, I thought then right now you're just talking about like how when you meet a straight person and they're like, oh, I are am. you guys like sisters? I'm saying both things. Oh, wow. I'm saying there are different, We're, there are multiple dimensions yeah. of queerness happening here. There is the first thing, which is that that experience of having to like, of showing up in a social situation where everyone knows you and knows who you last dated and who you're current partner last dated and knows the drama and maybe like you both dated the same person and it's awkward and the I feel like this specific scene with Jody reminded me of and I also like had a moment once where I was dating an older woman who looked older than me as well and I brought her 
to a party in LA, the rap party for her story. And it was um, our DP, who's this lovely, wonderful woman. But she walked up to us and was like, oh, my God, Laura, is this your mom? Like, so excited to meet her. I was like, no, fuck. And then another person, like a beat later in the party, who was a queer woman, was like, oh, my God, like, is this your mom? And... Yeah, it's just that level and then and then even worse is the moment of them realizing their mistake and how they how someone deals with that in that moment. And Jody kind of did that. She was like, Oh, I didn't real I oh, hey dad, this is like Mr. Sloan's son and brings in her dad who again, the Landons are similarly in this like I feel like in order of hierarchy it goes like from low to high it goes morgendorfer's landon's sloan's and under that lane under all those lanes yeah but lane the lanes aren't even trying to play that game they're like outside of this particular dance (laughs) so but you know in terms of the the families that we know well who are trying to play and then like britney's dad i feel like is is wealthy but in a way that's removed from like he's not trying to be elite in the same way and i don't think kevin i think kevin's family is probably one of the more working class families because i think they're very dependent upon kevin trying to get a scholarship yeah but so so of course like jody knew in that moment that the thing that would impress her dad would be that this is a sloan kid yeah and to to deflect from the awkwardness kind of brings that up it's so interesting because it's been very few times in uh, social circumstances where someone has either thought that me and my girlfriend are sisters or roommates or just friends. It's more like online, like it's very cl- like on Instagram that it's very clear that me and Kirsten are dating each other and people will just be like, you look like sisters. Like, like it, they say that knowing you're dating. Yeah. Or yeah. it's just like, this is a thought that doesn't need to be said. So now we're back at the art commune and <sighs> Allison pulls a classic move, which is I'll bet you dinner. I'm right. Yeah. Jane's not into meeting the other artists. She can kind of she's she's picking up on the vibes that they aren't going to be people that she gets along with. And Allison wants her to give them a chance. And so she's like, come on, let me introduce you. You'll like them. And if not, I'll get you dinner. And they sit down at the table and pretty much right away, Paris, one of the girls who's like implied that she's stooping. I, the I think it's pronounced teacher. Paris. Paris. Uh, it's basically implied that she's sleeping with the pretentious teacher voiced by Dave Grohl. And she pretty quickly after them all sitting down or after Jane and Allison join them implies just says like an ageist comment that implies that Jane doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about because she is still in high school and Allison defends Jane and then pretty much immediately Paris and all of her friends get up and walk away. So then it's like you owe us dinner. So now we're back at camp. All the kids want to go outside still. And and uh, Mr. Martino, a.k.a. Uncle Anthony, he sees a child paint a picture of a football player. 
and he goes on like this tirade. It's it's very much pointed towards who Kevin is, and uh, the kid ends up crying, and Mr. DiMartino freaks out because he's like, oh god, I'm so not meant for this. But then all the kids cheer, and they're like, no, that was Josh the bully. We wanted him to leave since the very beginning. Now we love you, Uncle Anthony. And then, in a little side moment, Daria looks at Link's painting, and it's just like this incredibly depressing dark portrait. And as we see that, Dear God by XTC, Ecstasy, plays. And then... Despite the fact that Allison exists, I want to say my favorite storyline is the David and Quinn storyline. And so we get this little vignette of that the rest of the fashion club has now, because they believe it's on trend to have a tutor, they've hired David. It was a very fun sequence for me. Yeah, it was good times. I feel like he's a little bit overly intolerant, though. Like, he's not much of an educator. He just sort of wants someone to meet him where he is like he he just seems to have a very low threshold well he wants results he doesn't want to waste his time and i think i think he knew that with sandy and tiffany he was certainly going to waste his time like they were they only wanted him there and he would just be talking to a vessel that's one in, in one ear out the other like i i think that with sandy and tiffany he knew that there was no getting through to them because they didn't actually care what it was about so in that case, I support his intolerance. Yeah, I just feel like the things he criticized Quinn for at the like at the beginning when he almost quit the first time were a little bit like like someone can be into sock length and accessorizing and still be really intelligent. Right. I think it was more the fact that she wasn't paying attention to him at all and that she was using their designated study time as a time that she was on the phone talking about these things. Yeah, fair. So now we get to Jody. Jody and Max's storyline, which is that Jody is at Congressman Sachs' office and Max says to her flat out, I never see you anymore. And they kind of get into this small argument about the fact that Jody's like truly too busy to tend to his feelings about his ice cream job and it was set like you see both sides but you're just like this chick is fucking busting her ass every single second of the day like i get that you need this emotional labor from your partner but also recognize the fact that she is so fucking busy yeah for sure and it's also not her fault like her parents are making her do these things so then Tom calls Daria. She want, He wants to hang out with her, but she says that she's not feeling well, which is obviously a lie. Yeah, it's cold and also felt uncomfortably realistic. Like, but I feel like there's a lot of the way that she's icing him out that I have been on the other receiving end of. And it doesn't feel good. One of the last moments in this part one is we're at camp and Mr. O'Neill really wants to connect with Link. And it's kind of clear that no one can get through to Link because Link has already decided that he's not going to make any connections at this camp. And um, one of my favorite noises was the noise that Mr. O'Neill makes when he's trying to he's trying to like write something down and just like breeze past it. He makes like a 
Look no. at Link makes him cry almost. Yeah, Link, Link absolutely. says that he's shitty at his job. Yeah. But also we we learn kind of the, the source of Link's angst here, which is that um, his parents got divorced and it sounds like his dad was maybe abusive. He says that his mom kicked out his dad for being a jerk only to marry a bigger jerk. So it sounds like he has some problematic figures in his home life. Uh, he's, he's a little boy dealing with a lot of, of rage and uh, maybe sense of abandonment. And Mr. O'Neill may not be equipped. And so Daria runs after him and is like, let's go for a walk. Let's figure this out. And that's when we start to see that Daria wants to help this young child. And and it's kind of out of her own volition to do so. She doesn't even realize that over in art camp, Jane's about to get a meal. So we are... This is the end of part one of Is It Fall Yet? But we are about to get reasonably stoned and record the next... Very reasonable. We're going to record the next half starting with Jane's unintentional date. Um, So please tune in next week. It's also totally cool if you're like, fuck this. Um, But it'd be sweet if you did. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sick or Sadder World. We're only halfway through, baby. We're only halfway through, my girl. 